0: Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. I think it's fair to say that a lot of people don't know how to have sex, or at least think they don't, I'm basing that off of the sheer amount of advice columns, call-in shows, podcasts, subreddits, and of course, books trying to help people navigate their sex lives. Today, we've got two novels where characters examine their own sex lives. In a bit, we'll hear from acclaimed author Edmund White about his new book, A Previous Life, that has a couple writing letters back and forth about past relationships. But first, I want to tell you about Yinka. She's a Christian and actually hasn't had sex yet because she's saving her virginity until marriage, which has been a bit of an obstacle in her quest to find a partner to marry. She's the main character of the book Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? And author Leslie D'Amilola Blackburn tells NPR's Sarah McCammon why it was important to have her character stick to her religious principles.
1: If you're a business owner,
0: you know these sounds
1: mean sales. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. Whether you're fulfilling orders from your home office or warehouse, Stamps.com helps you stress less about mailing and shipping and spend more time doing what you love most. Listening to ASMR. I mean, growing your business. But as you grow so does the need for efficiency stamps.com simplifies your shipping and mailing process import orders from wherever you sell online find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers and buy shipping and mailing supplies when you run low save time and money on mailing and shipping get started at stamps.com today with code program for a four-week trial free postage and a digital scale
2: Looking for a husband isn't easy. Throw in a family that really wants you to find one, and it can be pretty stressful. And if deep inside, you are longing for that companionship too, well, that's a special kind of pain. It's a dilemma Yinka finds herself constantly facing. She's in her 30s, unmarried, and on the verge of eternal loneliness. Well, at least according to her mother. Will her aunties ever stop loudly praying for her to find a spouse? Will she find love and on her own terms? All of that is explored in the new novel, Yinka, Where is Your Husband? And author Lizzie Damalola Blackburn joins me now from Milton Keynes, England. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks so much for having me. The protagonist in your story, Yinka, is feeling something that I think many women have felt, many people have felt, this pressure to hurry up and get married. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, that's a classic theme, right? I mean, Pride and Prejudice, Bridget Jones. Why did you want to revisit that in your novel?
3: When I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, which is when I started writing Yinka, I was feeling the pressure to settle down by my own Nigerian mom. Um, And so I decided to write a story about a British Nigerian woman going through the same thing. And funny enough, Yinka's story started off as a short story and I had it on a a blog that I ran called Christian Dating Dilemmas because I really crave to see like more Christians in mainstream fiction. The idea to turn to a novel came much later on when I met this fantastic author called Jackie Leigh at this blogging workshop that I attended. And in addition to her giving some you know really helpful feedback, she said, you know, I really like this Yunka character. I think she turned it into a novel and I did. I took on a challenge blindly and um, the rest you can say is history.
2: Why did you particularly want to explore the dilemmas of a, of a Christian woman who's dating? What's different about that?
3: Yeah. I just kind of wanted to show um, how Christianity is not outdated and how we have like a personal kind of connection to a higher power And I feel like there's like, you know, lots of people of faith out there and they might have different, you know, morals or principles when it comes to dating. So in Yinka's case, um, she's saving herself for marriage because her virginity is very sacred to her. I just kind of wanted to show like someone shouldn't feel ashamed of their faith and kind of remove any stigma on it as well.
2: Yinka is a Black woman from a British Nigerian family. How does her family background shape the way that she navigates this experience of
3: of trying to find a husband? Um, In Nigerian culture, like, you know, marriage is seen as a very big deal. Yinka kind of struggles with like two cultures. She needs to kind of get to a place where she accepts that it's fine, you know, to have that conflict and doesn't make her any less of a a person. Um, And I think there's lots of people out there that can relate to, you know, not feeling quite... British enough in some circles or Nigerian enough in other circles.
2: One of the issues you also take on in this book is white European beauty standards and Yinka's feelings about herself. What what are her feelings about herself living in a mostly
3: white culture? And and what do they mean for her as a woman who's out there, you know, dating? Um. So with Yinka, she kind of like looks at society and what she sees and internalizes that so what she's seen is you know light skin and women with like Eurocentric beauty kind of being like put on a pedestal or like they are the love interest in music videos or in movies and she's not seen enough dark skinned women so she kind of feels like okay if that's the case then am I attractive? Yinka has to come to terms that she is beautiful and she has to accept it and see it for herself and that's how she kind of goes on a self-discovery journey to value herself and to find her self-worth.
2: Yinka is also a highly successful woman. She's a professional, Oxford educated. She doesn't really need a man. But we realized pretty quickly that as much as she kind of tries to deny it, she she wants a partner. How did she come to terms with that?
3: Yeah, so I kind of wanted to show that, you know, if you want to find love, that's okay. In the same way that, you know, if the person chooses not to, to get married, that's fine as well. And also, I wanted to show that self-love is the most important love as well. And that um, in order to truly love someone, you have to love yourself.
2: You've been quoted as saying that you wanted to sort of subvert the trope of the strong Black woman in this book. You wanted
3: Yinka to be a little awkward, a little vulnerable. Tell us more about that. I think in the past on TV, we've seen like a lot of like strong black women or like the kind of cool black chick and we're not a monolithic group, we're all kind of different. So with Yinka, she has that kind of quirky personality where, you know, she, she likes her lame na- jokes, but at the same time, she is a bit in tune with like popular culture. Um, Hopefully there'll be, you know, people that can identify with her. <laughs>
2: That's author Lizzie D'Amalilla Blackburn. Her novel, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband, is out now. Thanks so much for speaking with us.
3: Thank you. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when... That couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Change the way you write with Grammarly Go, offering personalized generative AI communication assistance. Grammarly Go helps you ideate, compose, rewrite, and reply thoughtfully. Go to grammarly.com go.
0: Edmund White definitely belongs up there in the pantheon of important queer writers. But I get the sense from this interview that he might bristle at that term a bit, even if he understands why it's useful. Because, as he tells NPR Scott Simon, give it 50 years and everyone's going to be bisexual anyway. It's
4: 2050, and Count Rugger Castelnuovo, a 70-year-old musician, and Constance, his American wife who's 40 years younger, decide to write something confiding and intimate for one another— Let's ask Edmund White to read from an early section of his new novel, A Previous Life. But what should
5: we write, he asked, with a slightly false respectfulness, as one might ask a child which color one should paint a room. Our confessions, she said, in an addition of one, for each other's eyes alone, to be burned after a single reading. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Of course we know the broad lines of each other's life, but we've never been able to put in the fine shading. Oh, come on, don't look so solemn. It'll be fun. It's a little unfair since I've lived so much longer, he said. But you've
4: forgotten more, she said, keeping up the bantering tone. Edmund White, the award-winning and much-admired novelist of books that include A Boy's Own Story, joins us now. Mr. White, thanks so much for being with us. I'm happy to be here. This is a couple that palpably love each other. Why don't they just get each other matching sweaters or something?
5: (laughs) Well, uh, they do love each other, but she has a kind of morbid fear that he will leave her, even though she's so much younger And uh, at least as
4: attractive. A lot of what they write to each other is about prior romances. And um, I I need to flag for our listeners here that, you know, we might be venturing into territory that, that some people will find difficult to hear. There's just a lot of frank description of desire and sex. And I mean the basic machinery of sex, isn't there? I suppose there is,
5: there always has been in my writing, and I know some people find that very
4: offensive, but it's just the way I've always written. There's a phrase that I wrote down in Constance talks, although she's been married to men, she's found women to be better lovers of women, and that with men, quote, it always felt a bit remote like a robotic arm lifting uranium through a protective screen. (laughs) I'm sorry, I have to laugh while reading that. (laughs) You know,
5: uh, I wrote a book called The Joy of Gay Sex, and when we were talking to the original publishers who published The Joy of Sex, they Mm. were saying that, of course, books about lesbian sex or gay sex are slightly more obvious to the partners because their body is similar, whereas The Joy of Sex, which was for heterosexual couples, there was something of a mystery about women for men and the same about men for women. Uh, and so anyway, that is kind of the idea behind
4: that. Um, forgive me, I didn't know until recently you were in the Stonewall Inn, the night of the Stonewall Uprising in 1969.
5: Yes. Yes, I was. I was actually just walking by with a friend and we saw the disturbance. And then pretty soon we had mixed in with the melee and it continued for two more nights that weekend.
4: Can we ask you to bring us back and tell us what it was like?
5: Well, uh, people called it a discotheque, but it just had a jukebox, and it had a very long bar that was extremely unhygienic because they didn't really have running water. But I had gone there frequently over the years to dance with people. But, you know, Mayor Wagner... Uh, in the early 60s, had cleaned up the city. That is, he'd uh, suppressed all the gay bars because he wanted to make the city more attractive to people visiting for the World's Fair. Things seemed to be more genial by the late 60s, and then uh, all of a sudden the police raided the bar, so uh, we resisted. Everybody remembers it as being terribly solemn because it was sort of like our Bastille Day. But the truth is, everybody was laughing. And even saying slogans like, Gay is good, which was meant to echo, Black is beautiful, uh, struck us as funny because we'd been so oppressed for so long that that the idea of, of claiming our rights seemed vaguely humorous to us.
4: yeah. How do you feel about being identified as a queer writer? Well, you know, everything in America is
5: uh, niche marketing and people always say, "Oh, why aren't you uh, just a writer?" And I always felt like, well, I'm I'm not as popular as Saul Bellow or John Updike, but When you write for a minority group, you're sort of essential to them, especially when I first started writing, which was long before there were gay politicians or openly gay movie stars or any other gay figures that you could identify with.
4: Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, for example, in this book, A Previous Life, there's a lot of straight sex, too.
5: (laughs) Well, that's true. I've been, uh, I've been branching out. Uh, I was just down in Key West at the Literary Festival, and I, I was sort of brought into a discussion about gay lit, and I said to the audience, doesn't that sound terribly old-fashioned to you, homosexuality? I said, it does to me. I mean, it, I do feel like 50 years from now, everybody
4: will be bisexual. Uh, age is a theme in this novel, Are there things that are better in your 80s? Well, (laughs) I don't think so. I've had, relatively
5: speaking to the rest of my life, I've had a lot of success with my writing. That part has been gratifying. And when I started off writing, I always got nasty reviews, especially from British critics. The English think it's ludicrous to be frank about sex.
4: Well, uh, you know, it was indicated by the fact that every time I, I raise the subject with you, even in this interview for our audience, I have to do it with a trigger warning. Yeah, see? The Mories have changed very
5: much. I mean, like, uh, everybody was much more frank in the 70s than they are now. Now everyone's terrified of being canceled.
4: Edmund White, his novel previous life. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for interviewing me.
0: That's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. Let us know what you think. You can write to us at at npr.org. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. The podcast is produced by Kelly Wessinger and edited by Megan Sullivan and Taylor Burney. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show Elements this week were produced and edited by Janiyah Williams, Tim B. Samantha Balaban, Melissa Gray, Alejandra Marquez Hansa, Gabe O'Connor, Justine Kennan, Tom Dreisbach, Steve Littig, Hafsa Fatma, Dean Pravaz, Jan Stewart, and Ed McNulty. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening.